Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for episode 85 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on May 20th, 2017 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86. Alongside me, we have the man who is uh, who's still recovering from his journey to the City of Angels, Justin Sane 0516. I imagine, I know the answer to this, but uh, how has your week been? Magical. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's been amazing. What what a great week. I actually I'll I'll get into this in shout outs a little bit, but I can't thank you and Green enough for uh allowing me to be the face of, of our little merry band of people. I I applaud your charity and question your judgment. Um <laughs> But <laughs> Justin, we had to send the prettiest one, so you had to go. Just going to say that. <laughs> okay. This is the first time that criteria has worked out in my favor. <laughs> um, so, no, no, great, great, great week. Can't say enough about all the, the wonderful, beautiful people that I met and all the awesome, awesome times that I had. Um, I did manage, though, to shame the channel and the program in a way that I feel is irrevocable. And I really apologize for that. I lost the um, inaugural um, destiny to reveal Mario Kart tournament. Um, Get out. So go. A l- yeah. Yeah. Like I, I feel like my, my uh, video game card has been pulled. I was hanging out with N64 Josh. It was awesome awesome individual and we were all laughs and 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 high fives and bros and and beers and we were having a great time and he was about to leave the bar where we were all hanging out at and i was like man dude just anything you need just let me know man you can be on the show anytime uh just give me a hug bring it in and then before he leaves i just turn and over my shoulder say um and, and by the way next time i see you i'm gonna whoop your butt at mario kart and oh, he no. just like went stone cold in his face <laughs> complete grimace he opens his backpack pulls out a nintendo switch and then he starts breaking it apart like what you broke your game and he gives me a part of it and he says what track and now we're racing mario kart in front of bungie and and everybody at the damn sheridan bar so (laughs) yeah i lost needless to say he finished i had a lap and a half to go oh god So he won and and he wins the bragging rights and I will tweet as much as well. I've been putting it off, but he is is the Nintendo overlord. But the best, the best quote about it of the night was when bell looked at me like I was brain damaged and said, his name is in 64. Why did you challenge him? And my response was, I say a lot of things. I'm rarely required to back them up. This was the rare time the guy had the video game system in his pocket that could prove me wrong. So good job. GG. Great trip. Let's move on. Well, let's get through the intros and then I'm going to come back. I want to talk to you about about the entire experience because I know I know a lot of people probably have some questions and chats kind of going at it and. I think that Green and I probably have some questions as well. I know Rhino probably does. <clears throat> but 
uh, real quick, Mel is working while we're here playing around. Uh, give her, be sure to give her some love over on Twitter uh, at the Wind of the Stars. Her schedule has gotten insane, um, so we're trying we're trying to figure out uh, exactly how that's going to work out. Um, but be sure to let her know that we miss her and that we're thinking of her. And from the depths of the madness-inducing mind maps, we are joined by our favorite Gunter, the one and only green-eyed music lover. Green, hope you're doing well. How has uh, how's your week gone for you? Has it been as good as Justin's? I've been sitting on the edge of my chair waiting. Okay, I was depressed last night because <laughs> you were MIA and Justin was flying back. So I'm like, I want to know what happened. People are talking to me. Yeah, well, I'm you're mad, mad. You're mad like, at me for oh not talking God. to you too. So it's just it's it's been crazy. So I like tried to do some book therapy by listening to the Dark Tower series, the Gunslinger. That's probably not, that's, that's probably not the no. best book to listen to. For no, <laughs> it wasn't. I'm more confused than ever. I mean, it's awesome, but I'm super confused as to what the heck is going on. I'm like, what? What with the mountain and the thing, the disappearing and the crazy lady on the altar and all that? I don't know what's happening anymore. Oh. But I'm good. I have my coffee. I had a martini. I'm happy. Well, in the guest co-host spotlight tonight, we are joined by a man of crafting genius, Rhino666. Rhino, how are you doing tonight? Doing great, man. This is just Hype Nation over here. Yeah. Hype. Hype mm-hmm. that me too. Oh, Every man. podcast that drops in the next week. Oh, yeah. It's oh, yeah. Hype Nation. Yeah, it's, it's just saturated. I mean, it, there were literally probably six articles within 15 minutes after the D2 reveal. And I've read one of them. I've most, watched the most, reveal three times. I've watched the reveal multiple times, but as far as articles... I've watched oh, the man, reveal articles three times. Are, once in person, two on YouTube. Um, just have to keep reminding that, everybody. But, he wins. Um, it's okay. But, like, yeah, I, yeah, articles... Oh, man. Green and I were talking about articles... A little bit um, mm-hmm. because there's the whole there's a lot of a lot of potential dramas brewing around how the the in-game lore is going to be handled. Um, quite honestly, my opinion is I'm I'm waiting before I invest too much, too much anger or too much excitement into yeah. it. It's mm-hmm. probably best to plead the fifth until we have more. Info. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, <laughs> Yeah, I, I saw I saw a little bit of it on the Twitterverse, and yeah, uh, yeah, th- that thing can get pretty heated pretty quick. But I will say this, uh, just you know, it, I think just everybody can kind of agree information should ju- just be readily accessible to anybody who wants it. And so maybe this is a good step, and but maybe they just need to tread carefully. Uh, because there are a lot of people out there in the lore community that have invested countless and count—I mean, just countless hours—and and have dedicated so much of their life to kind of helping build these outside sources. Yeah. And, uh, so well, I and that's a little bit of the contention, but right? Because I know I know Ishtar Collective got in on a couple of conversations that I've been in, and and uh, I think uh, the Guardian 
got in too. He was because he I, I'm going to talk about him in my shout outs actually because he's got the uh, Seraphim website, mm-hmm. uh, so which cool. is amazing. You guys need to definitely check that one out. Um, mm-hmm. But I know they've been talking, and I know Guardian kind of said what I my thoughts are. It's like, look, as long as you don't change the API, like it doesn't really hurt because actually it helps because now we have it more in game. And the thing is, as long as you're not taking that out, like, which, and this is kind of what I was telling Green, it's like they can't. Like, it's in the database. The, you know, it's basically, are you going to make it accessible in the same way, or are we going to have to drastically change everything? Um, so, you know, and it's like, and, and so until we actually learn what the system is, it's really, in, in my opinion, it's like, I, I can't invest a lot of, you know, passionate anger or passionate excitement into it. Right. No, because the only thing I have no why would you be angry right now? Uh well there there's there, if if some of the fears that have been voiced about the grimoire are correct, then I can I can and I can empathize with people being um perturbed, worried perturbed, I think. Because exactly what Rhino was saying. There's there's a lot of people who have spent, you know, hundreds of thousands of hours in behind the scenes, you know, things that we aren't even aware of, you know, that we don't see as 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 uh, viewers and consumers of content creation. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes when you're a creator that the consumer doesn't understand or well, not that doesn't understand, but doesn't see. Uh, for you right. know, like for every hour that you would see as a con- as a consumer of content. You have to estimate that there's probably at least two to maybe even five hours worth of work that led up to that at minimum. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you're talking with people on the level of Bife, of Wallen, of Mylan, you know, these Ishtar Collective, these these sites and these these series that they've put together, that's a big undertaking. And so for someone to to introduce something that could potentially change that underlying um, structure that makes those, that makes people who have that much invested very nervous. And I think that's the one thing that everybody should be focused on. And I think you're right. That's the one specific thing that everybody should be focused on. Not that, that your content is going to be devalued because people in the lore community that have established themselves as leaders and teachers and educators on the lore will always remain at the, pinnacle of their of their uh content creation it's not going to go away they're not going to be undermined by a new a new version of the api or some other uh outside source or in game source that will replace them that's that shouldn't even be a problem and i've already heard a few people say that but but getting back to it the very one thing that people right now are in limbo about is is and i know uni and i we we go about this uh, you know, go back and forth on this. Is the API going to drastically change? Are they going to introduce a whole nother API? Are we going to have to keep it with two separate oh, God, uh, yeah. resources? Are, are we going to have to, you know, are, are they going to just dump everything and all that API that we've, we've used as a platform, as a construct? Is that just going to go away? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the biggest fear. And everybody's in limbo. So, you know, I, but just. They need to tread carefully <laughs> going forward on this lore button that we all. I can I can definitely see the the concerns from from a technical standpoint as far as the API 
and people whose bread and butter has been disseminating information directly from the API into, you know, a more palatable format of IE Joe Schmo, normal guy like me. Um, I can understand those are very real concerns there, but from a, a meat and potatoes lore standpoint, um, I really don't know how you could feel anything other than excitement at, at watching that first reveal trailer. Like I, I, I honestly don't like, I, maybe I'm still, still on the Kool-Aid. I don't know, but no, 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 not at all. And you know, green, I think you're probably, I think you had something, but real quick, what I, in response to that, Justin, it's, it's not at all like that. I am, so for me personally, okay, so I'm, I'm just going to speak for me personally because I can't, I, you know, I can't speak to the other people who are creating content out there. But um, the, uh, for me personally, my only thought is as, as like a kind of, kind of the, the, the spearhead for our group, for our team, right? Um, as the person who kind of organizes notes and puts together the behind the scenes stuff really and kind of guides the, you know, tries to guide the conversation as best I can on the, on the podcast. And, you know, even to a degree in the discord though, I definitely try to, I try to let the discord do its own thing for the community's sake because that really shows us where the interest is. Not that that aspect of it is actually going to be a lot easier because now the community is actually going to have um, a easier access point to that com- that information. Um, right. What's going to change is the underlying structure of how uh, how we as a team approach our research. Uh, potentially, you know, potentially, potentially. Emphasis on that. Potentially, this yeah, changes. Don't know. So that's kind of the that's the that's the one part that you know we kind of have to just play the plead the fifth and kind of wait and see you know a lot of people are jumping to conclusions that you know that that grimoire is going to completely disappear and the only way to go out and get your information zone and push a button i mean those are things that you know we don't know if that's true or not we don't know if these are these are facts or or if this is how our environment's going to be from now on you know and so I, i just we just have to wait and see hopefully they'll explain some of this but i i think it's kind of some I think it's a higher hanging fruit for those guys. The low hanging fruit is what they're always going to address first. And a lot of us lore guys out here are going to be, you know, stuck in the point for a while. But there's zero, there's zero upside to doing that. Like I honestly, like the raw information exists, right? Yeah. It exists in, in database form at some point, right? Mm -hmm. There's zero upside to putting a wall between this whole pocket of people who disseminate the story of this game and interpret it for, for the masses. And I'm not tooting our horn at all. What I'm saying is you've got maybe um, a small percentage, less than 5% of the community. If you count destiny Reddit, right. Uh, Or destiny lore Reddit and, and and places like us and, and ghost stories and, and other communities, bikes, Patreon uh, who disseminate this lore you know, and, and interpret it and help relate it to people who otherwise would just not bother with it. So, I mean, if it was an extra process, I could see them deeming it, you know, kind of an ancillary thing that's not really worth the time put into it. But this is something that's done anyways. 
Right. You know, I mean, if you're talking about the lore being put directly into the UI of the game, it existed in database form before it went to the UI of the game. I can't see them saying we're going to cut it out of the existing grimoire format that we already have, mainly because that cuts them out of money. As they go from version to version to version of this game, mm-hmm. eventually they're going to start publishing compendiums of this stuff. Yeah. Well, there's too, not, been too much man that. hours put into writing no, this no, stuff no, to not, not do that. Yeah, and they're not going to say that, you know, that's not a valuable asset to put in game. I just think that there's, I just think that anytime you introduce something that could potentially put a wall between or divide a community into people that just play and don't care about what's going on or people who invest so many hours in lore and where do the assets need to go and how much money needs to be allocated to the one particular part mm-hmm. of the game, I think that's what kind of drives a little bit of this contention out there. Uh, that maybe some of these resources that are being pulled into this one specific aspect of the game uh, should be better spent somewhere else. And I don't, you know, but like like I said, I don't think that's an argument we should even have until we know more. Yeah, uh, but I don't even see where it's like, I don't see where the legitimate fear comes from comes from just because when honestly, when they're I'm pledging things like. Oh no, no! I I know I know I everyone believe, on this podcast is optimistic. Something is going to happen that everybody can kind of live with, and they'll. I mean, Bungie is great at listening to the community, and, and at one point or another, it's going to be what we all want. And I I hear things like the most cutscenes that have ever ever existed in a in Destiny so far. That's. I mean, that's a pretty big pledge. You know what I mean? Like each time we've gotten content, there have been a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And and there's there's a growing movement towards story direction. And I can't see them kind of cutting off their nose to spite their face to say, yeah, we're going to have a renewed emphasis on story and narrative, but we're going to, you know, we're going to codlock all the all the grimoire into what you can manage inside the game. Right. So, I don't know. What Bungie seems to have done to me is he Bungie has been listening to us for the past couple of years and taking all of our criticisms from multiple sources because people have been criticizing them for the fact that there's no lore built into the game, that it's not easily accessible for the people who don't want to go and sit and read for hours and hours and hours all these cards. They're bringing it in. They're doing exactly what we asked them to do. And I don't think they're going to take anything out because Bungie is not. Bungie is all about promoting the community and promoting this, this cohesiveness and promoting their story. And so it would be incredibly surprising if they pulled out a giant chunk of their community who has been carrying them on the storytelling because honestly, in some ways, we have been doing that for the past couple of years. Is just been telling the story for them. So, I kind of, and that in green, that's kind of where I I'm I I kind of lean that way as well. Like it's just one of those things where it's like you know I I see this as a hybridization intro to something akin to kind of how Skyrim did. Uh, well, actually most of the Elder Scrolls does where you have like the loading screen, you know, snippets, uh, you have stuff inside game, but you can also get stuff outside of game. And actually, if you go outside a game, you get a lot more, um, 
and it's not it's yeah. not and you know halo does this as well most most of the games that i'm very fond of actually this is kind of a format that they follow so sure. i'm i'm cautiously actually very optimistic about this but at the same time you know like what rhino was saying is kind of like because we don't really have confirmation on exactly the format i'm kind of like i don't want to i i don't want to i don't want to be mad at them for something that they didn't do but at the same time mm-hmm. i don't want to be excited for something that they didn't they're not going well, to do you know and that's what it's like getting mad at somebody for forgetting your birthday before your birthday comes like you got to give them a chance yeah, to forget no, no, your no, birthday no, right dude, dude i got you covered i forget my own birthday all the time it's okay <laughs> Right. I think, the fear, I think the fear is is that they're going to be let down, and that kind of drives that. They feel like if they give a foot, Bungie's going to take them out. But I think what they need to realize is that it, it's, it hasn't been that way, and we need to kind of go off of past history. I mean, Bungie has proven themselves before, and I believe so, that they're going to prove themselves again. Yeah, yeah, and I thought it was a, a, a marketing masterstroke, right, to do what they did over the last week, to invite all of these people – um, be their low-level um, content creators, their mid-level content creators, their their kind of elite content creators to this thing, along with press and all kinds of other things, and allow them a look at this because they know the influence these people have, like people like Bife, people like, you know, um, uh, for that matter, um, Miss 5000 Watts, you know, um, Pope Bear and 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 you just go on and on and on. All these people they brought into this one place for one reason to help to help leak the hype that is this game. Um, they're going to continue to lean on that. So I think taking away the tools that some of these people use to help promote their game is not very high on their list. Right. Well, and I agree. Okay, so talking about talking about building hype, I'm going to use that as a segue. Uh, let's let's talk about this big hype machine that just got just got concluded. Justin, mm-hmm. go. <laughs> it was amazing. First of all, first of all, it was amazing. Uh, if you if you watch my Twitter, there was a red carpet, which is <laughs> the first thing I noticed. Right. Um, so basically. The, the shuttles brought us in um, and and stopped us right. And we went through a little bitty mini little uh, maze of, of uh, you know, cordons or whatever you want to call it. Got our credentials, which made me feel super official. Um, and then uh, commenced to walk down the red carpet. And on either side, there were Destiny 2 logos. And, and people were taking interviews as you were walk, walking in and, it was very awesome. You walk into a big chamber where there is a model of the traveler hanging. And on three of the walls, there are brand new, brand spanking new Destiny 2 uh, models of Hunter, Titan, and Warlock. And they looked amazing. I think I put some pictures up of them on my on my Twitter account. But uh, I'll try to post those too on the in the discord mm. uh special event account I, I was meant to do that but it's hype train you know how it goes um and then you walk into the keynote um arena or whatever and it just gets bigger like there's giant destiny 2 banners with the you, you know the really cool image of the the um hunter titan and warlock standing next to each other like kind of in battle poses mm-hmm. um all over the place 
and it's just a who's who. And it, it was really fun. It was really fun. And then we did the keynote, which you guys saw. And by the way, if you want to know how excited I was about, um, <laughs> about, uh, that first cut scene, just rewatch the reveal and look at the, the center row of seats on the left-hand aisle. And I'm right next to the cosplayer that does, I think cosplaying a Titan, a days of iron Titan. Um, and you can see me literally losing my <laughs> like I'm I'm just like you can literally see me putting my hands in the air and just going what um yeah yeah so I mean nice I was wondering if you it was you hooting and hollering in the background half the it time it totally was it totally was I don't know if you saw like by the end of it, I could not feel my hands and my voice is barely here now. Like it's, it was that good. So then after the very long, way too long, in my opinion, <laughs> a keynote speech by several of amazing bungee employees, um, I then got the chance to actually talk to in, in person. Um, we actually got to go back and play the game, which was really cool. They had stations set up for the campaign mission that we got to play. They had stations set up for PvP. And then they had stations set up for the um, strike. And you kind of just queued up. And whenever a station came open, which, whichever one you wanted to do, you went and did it. Um, but towards the end, everyone had done the campaign. And were looking to play PvP over and over and over again. So I just played the strike. I played the campaign mission a bunch. Was that on PC? Uh, it no everything was on PlayStation 4 Pro um except for they had special stations set up in the back for PC that you actually needed a blue pass oh. a blue tier pass to actually access i didn't get to play that i watched T-Rex um K-Dub and i actually um chilled with T-Rex a little bit and watched him play it and i can say this 60 frames per second destiny is like butter. Oh, God. Um, you don't want to go down this road. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. The first hot topic that's been all over. <laughs> no, no, no. Maybe we no, should no. go down this road. No, no. Let's spend another no, no. 30 minutes hashing so, it out. Here's my question. I've watched the strike. A lot of people have posted images and videos of the strike. Everyone's posted images of the pvp but i haven't hardly seen any videos up on youtube of the campaign mission okay, are you so guys are allowed to like well, record it yeah uh no no basically there were there were specific few um content creators that were allowed to capture bife was one of them they mm -hmm. had to sign up for time slots and they actually at specific times they were allowed to go to specific stations and capture gameplay um I was not one of those, obviously. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, exactly. More consoles got it. Uh, Mesa had it. Bife has it. Most of the people who were allowed to capture did all three activities. Mm -hmm. They did the they did the uh, the campaign mission. They did the strike. They did PvP. So mm -hmm. um, I wasn't allowed to do that. But I can say this: um, there were a lot of people, content creators, and just normal schmoes like me, who had significant trouble with that strike really it um, looked tough yes, there were plenty of people who did not finish that strike um 
and uh, just going to give a big, big shout out to my battle buddy, K-Dub and uh, Bell Bunny. And we, we breezed through that freaking thing in 14 minutes. Nice. So, um, but it was not easy. It was not easy. And that was the thing that I loved about it. Like, it's almost like we've retooled um, damage levels, light levels, whatever you want to call it. And um, at least for the game that I played, the story mission was engaging and um, not relaxed at all. And the strike was the same. Like it was high octane kind of pressure um, on you from the time you started to the time you ended, which is really good for me because I've, I've grown really comfortable playing Destiny. I've grown really nonchalant when I'm in the raid. Not that I'm super good or anything, but it's just the comfort level of it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Just I'm kind of, yeah, if I get in trouble, I'll just jump a bunch, you know? And <laughs> <laughs> so, and not, mentality. not to spoil anything, there's like a different, uh, there's like a different level to the enemies you face too. Don't they start to act different as you're taking their health bar down? Yeah, yeah. They're, the he like that final boss on that strike. If you haven't watched it, I'm not going to give any specifics, but that final boss on that strike acts very 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 erratically and wants you to not be on the map anymore mm-hmm. is all i'll say he wants you to be elsewhere <laughs> well, if you want a good example of it just watch bife's video i mean bife yeah. gets knocked around is even in the meat grinder section i mean that I got, is oh, intense. Yeah. he had trouble with that for a little bit too yeah bell and i chained deaths there for a little while and kato was like really guys Really? But um no, it's it's so good. Like everything I played was really good. Even the the uh the PvP, which I'd like to talk about if we have a chance. Um because I think it might actually get blue back into Destiny PvP. Yeah, I've yeah, you tweeted at me. I, I think <clears throat> here's here's my thing. I'm actually excited because now I'm excited about Destiny from a game mechanic standpoint. Um, because I'm, I am, I've always been, and I've never flagged on my excitement for the story of destiny ever. Like and Justin and green can attest to this, you know, even though I haven't been playing the game a lot recently, I've been, you know, I've just been messing around with games that I've put on the back burner when destiny came out. I put some games on the back burner cause I was so obsessed with destiny. I've gotten, I've gotten into those recently. Um, and it's not because of the story. It's not because of the, the, the pacing, the UI or anything like that. It's just, <clears throat> I don't, I don't know the mechanics, the, like the act, the actual mechanics of destiny just, no, nah, it's like it, it, it got old. Um, so watching, watching the gameplay and hearing, um, you know, the story pieces that we were able to hear from the reveal, I'm like, I actually am starting to get excited again. And that is for me the biggest and most awesome takeaway is the fact that now I actually want to go back and play. Well, I want to play destiny too. I, I still am not really, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to lie. I'm not really interested in destiny from a mechanic yeah, standpoint, I say, man, after watching destiny two, all I want to do is play destiny, destiny two. Yeah. I'm like, so, I'm, I'm like imagine ah. if you had played it, <laughs> I, I went and played. My son was like, he wanted me to play through the, the mission where you first go to fell winter's peak because mm-hmm. he just hit light level on his own profile where mm-hmm. he can get there. And I played with them 
today and he was like oh dad they're they're coming from the left i was like yeah sure (laughs) (laughs) like uh but no it it's it's the okay so i'm not gonna pretend i'm good at this new it's not even around long enough to be in meta but playing in the the crucible um the changes to the weapon slots alone make me really excited for for destiny 2 for the simple fact that it restores this kind of concept that power weapons are to be respected. So <laughs> if thank you, I know, thank you. So if you are a halo guy, so um, the power weapons on the map are the ones that people run for. You can tell which ones they are because they're the ones that people like team kill you for. Right. Yep. So the shotgun, the sniper, the sword and the rocket launcher. Those are the power weapons in Halo, usually in like Halo 2, right? Well, those are the power weapons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In Halo they, 2. Yeah, they exist on the map and they are they are commodities. Each shotgun shell, each rocket, each sword swipe uh, is valuable. Um, you don't want to waste them if you can help it. Oh, my wife's so, favorite is the saw. She will go up and down on people with that thing. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty freaking wicked. Um the the I think that came out in four, right? Yeah, yeah the um, saw and the needler are my wife's favorite two weapons. Pink gun, those. But uh, <laughs> the pink no, but but the thing that excites me for for uh, Halo. Oh, I'm sorry, Destiny. <laughs> Oops. Uh, <laughs> the thing that excites me for Destiny Two PvP is we we've taken away the the special weapon um kind of meta to where special ammo is not very valuable like you pick up special ammo and you waste those sniper shots you waste those you waste those fusion shots you waste those shotgun shells in a way that just kind of lets us know that it's not that hard to get new ones right because you you spam them you you stand on the other side of the map and spam and spam sniper shots the way things are now it's completely a primary meta. So oh, what you want is for your strongest player to be grabbing that power ammo and using that sniper, using that That's, rocket. You, and it's amazing. And well, the I also only- heard the, t- the time to kill has been increased. So that's also going to yes. cause people to play with the weapons that they had at, to play with because those are okay. just pre-picked weapons. But the yeah. other thing is, is they got rid of special ammo. There's really only one other type of ammo drop, which is the purple ammo drop, which is yeah. your power weapon power. ammo. Because because the first two slots are are technically all primaries, right? Right. So, um. Yeah, I mean you're you're absolutely right. And then the amazing thing for me because of the clan that I'm in is that this is the best news I've heard from Destiny Destiny 2 so far. When a person on your team picks up heavy or power ammo um for to get rockets or whatever, only he gets it. So that leads to some really amusing gameplay with myself <laughs> and my clan leader. Oh, um, no, no, so- no, no. <laughs> No, it's amazing, is what it is. No. Thank you, Bungie. You've given me weird. a gift that we'll keep on giving for the for months and months rage. and months. Oh, no. Justin, and not only that, it's not only that, when I grab the ammo, it will say Justin got ammo. Justin got ammo, and show a fusion rifle, and he will lose <laughs> his mind. Uh, so yeah, no, I really, I really love it because um, most of the changes they made in 
to subclasses and to grenades because grenades are less powerful. Rockets are less powerful. Um, everything, uh, even sniper rifles. Sniper rifle is a three-shot body shot with what we were playing with. Like, mm-hmm. you, couldn't, you couldn't double shot people in the body and kill them. You couldn't stick someone with a fusion grenade and kill them in one go. Like, it took most of their health and shields away, but they were still living. Were so, you able to tell um, if the crit spots were doing more damage, like the heads, you know? Not really. Not really. One thing, one cool thing I did notice was it seemed that melee and grenade cooldowns were normalized. Hmm. So, it seemed like, and, and granted, we weren't able to play with any kind of loadout, you know, parameters, but it seemed like across all players, melees, grenades, and supers were about normal. And they got rid of the discipline intellect. Yeah. And And what was really cool about that is a really good player would get about three supers per game. A, an average player, one to two, Uh, awful player. He might not get a super one. So it really led to to more you know more engaging gameplay because you didn't have blade dancers every three seconds you know you didn't have uh, just just spamming supers and that's how the the game should go and I think in in competitive PvP is just literally just let's let's duke it out with our primaries like we have grenades those are trump cards we have some secondary abilities that's nice but it's really gonna it's really going to boil down to who is better with their primary. And what I also noticed, and this is just completely, this is, I haven't talked to anyone about this, but it's just how I felt. I felt like um, there were a lot less engagements where I could run up on two people and get the better of them. It seemed like a lot more balanced gameplay. So unless there was a giant skill gap, between the two players in question, um, two people beat one person like 98% of the time, which is the way it should be. You know what I mean? Like, uh, unless you're triple wreck, you should not be turning the tide against two people who saw you at the same time they saw. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, which in a lot of times in the current iteration of the game, I'll, I'll run across two or three people and, uh, you know, it just it just works out that way. But um, it felt a lot more balanced, a lot more tactical, and a lot more Halo-esque. I hate to say that because I know Bungie, that's like the last thing they want to hear. But that's a good thing for me because that's what I like. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Halo all the way. And it's funny because Halo kind of went the other way. Uh, their time to kill has increased. I mean, it's decreased now with their newest game. You know, and, and, uh, and, and their story is just completely gone. It's like they took a chapter out of destiny on that when the game first came out is abandoned all story of course all that's going to change in the future but you know all i want to have for sure coming in d2 is i want a smoke grenade that is something i love space biscuit i love wombo comboing that is still even though it's not as deadly as it used to be that is my go-to when it comes to crucible so as long Mm -hmm. as that's still there i will be happy i know you guys didn't get to see that as far as subclasses, but Night Stalker, I want it not necessarily to be exactly the same, but I want some of the same flavor, just like the the Striker has some of the same flavor. I want my Smoke Bomb. It's a Space Biscuit, but yes. So talk about about those Space Biscuits. (laughs) Let's talk about those. 
right? Right? Yes. Right? Yep. Is that, that what we're here for? I'm gonna I'm gonna force this segue. <laughs> I'm going to force it. No, you didn't this. have to force it. You didn't have to force there's it. Our, there's a round hole, and I have a square peg. It's going in. Um, now we can start the phrasing. Yeah. Go Thanks. Ahead. Thanks, Justin. Hitting record now. Uh, yeah. So let's let's jump through the intro real quick, and then we will try to get back on to the topic of what we were supposedly supposed to talk about tonight Sorry. before we got hype. hyped up. Hype. Hype. Uh, hype. <laughs> All right, here we go, guys. What do you pay me for? The topic of today's chat is going to be a dive into the lore of the Night Stalker Hunters. I asked Green to put together a high-level summary of the topic, and this is what she had to say. Go ahead. Pick up the bow. Punch through and borrow something from the other side. You'll find that it's addictive, that power. Your light gets twisted as you draw from the deep. Never mind how heavy it can get. Sure, some find it hard to summon the Duskbow. When asked their thoughts on the void, their eyes tell it all. To stalk in the night, one cannot be afraid. That's the secret. They cannot see through the blinders of their fear. To draw from the void? There cannot be fear. There cannot be doubt. There can only exist the desire of the hunt. They are the rangers. The keen-eyed scouts who stalk the darkness where it dwells. The night stalkers found a way to turn their void light into flame without a single iota of solar energy involved. Their control over the void is as impressive as they are. Not so much demanding respect, as much as just effortlessly earning it from many. Before we get into that, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes. In our last chat, we took a detailed look at the Sunbreaker Titans. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, as well as links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat out in the internet. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing and to help us to continue to grow. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday, around 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, found at theguardiansofdestiny.com. These include Guardian Radio, the official podcast for the Guardians of Destiny, Guardian One, Ghost and Echoes, which also has the Destiny audio grimoire, and the network's newest edition, a non-Destiny-focused podcast, Paragon Radio. Our next chat's going to be a dive into the lore surrounding the infamous family business of Clovis Bray. But with all that, let's go ahead and dive into the information and thoughts that the community had about the Night Stalkers. Lorebot, 
Let's go. Query. Grimoire. Database. Results found. Displaying on screen. All right. So where better to start with than I think the mighty hunter, right? That's where we got to start with because it's a starting point for the night stalker. And actually the hunter card actually, it has a very night stalkery type feel to it. If you really, if you really read it, hunter, our old worlds have grown feral, rabid beasts with teeth of rust and ruin. But such beasts are meant to be tamed or broken. Hunters stalk the wilderness beyond the city, harnessing the light to reclaim the secrets of our lost worlds. They're daring scouts and stealthy killers, expert with knives and precision weapons. Hunters blaze their own trails and write their own laws. Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. I'm so a hunter. <laughs> It's not like we're biased here on this podcast at all. That's like, so we did the Warlock episode a while back, and they're like, all of you are hunters. Why are you talking I've about got, I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was trying. I've got I was trying to be nothing. friendly. We're trying to be excited for them. <laughs> you people voted for this. I can't help oh, it. Oh, okay. Not to throw us back into the reveal, but... Uh-huh, for the warlocks, <laughs> just for a split second, for the warlock mains, Zavala mm-hmm. voice actor is a warlock main. So there you go. Did you did Dang. you notice what I changed my Twitter name to? Yes. <laughs> so I, I played a lot at the D2 reveal. And do you know what I had to play each time? A warlock. I, was about to I say. didn't get to play. I didn't get to play a hunter once. The only time I got to play anything other than, than a warlock was the one time we sat down to play PvP and, and Kato was like, What's this a warlock? And I sat down and it was a Titan. He was he was like, dude, and I was like, suck it. <laughs> Sit down. I'm done. I'm done. I'm gonna play this right now. But the Dawnblade is amazing. So I might actually play Warlock going forward, but I'm still a hunter. So Right. Hunter for at heart. For always, mm-hmm. I'm going to make a little card with a heart with an arrow going through it because Night Stalker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hunter is kind of that lone wolf type character for sure. And what better to actually have a lone wolf type character than to have a Night Stalker in and of themselves. Rhino, do you want to grab the next card? Sure. Oh, yeah, this is such a good one. A lone hunter stalks the night firing arrows into the darkness. There is no hiding, no escape. In the distance, the beast falters, tethered to the void. The killing blow comes without hesitation, without mercy. There's truth in the edge of light, and beneath that truth, a deeper truth, a hidden from all... Oh, wait, sorry, hidden from all but a few. That truth is this. Monsters need not fear the light. Do not hunt the monster. Become the monster. Such a scary card. Can I just say something real quick? Mm -hmm. Because there's something that is just striking about this one. And it is the duality it plays with the Alpha Lupi card. Mm -hmm. 
the idea that you are the wolf, you, you, you know, this duality of becoming, you know, the very thing that you are, are seeking or hunting. Right. It's interesting because this, this card in particular just draws to the point that, uh, that Night Stalker, with the exception of the Word Word of Dawn type super, this super itself actually binds it. It actually binds characters together, binds the character to the actual super itself. Every other super we have does an insta kill, and it's meant primarily as an insta kill. Whereas this one literally is meant as a trap to hold you in place. Yes, you can insta kill with it, but that's not necessarily its primary function. It's much darker and much more utilitary than some of the other supers that we have. I would agree. Right. With that. Yeah. You got that suit, su- you know, you get that support class that hunters didn't have for all of the first. Oh, years. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I felt so bad so many times. Just, I mean, blade dancer and gunslinger. I mean, what could you do? You know, right hey guys, I'm here to take every one of your kills. <laughs> right. I'll give you orbs. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> I missed. Accuracy oh, is horrible. Yeah. And this, I mean, hunters were never the greatest at making orbs anyway. Yeah. But this one does kind of give it a little oh, bit of redeeming on. qualities. You have to know that's true. Gunslinger was the most god awful at making orbs. But now, but now uh, no. But now no, you the, can... the night stalkers make these tiny little bitty orbs. Listen to you. Listen, when you got to Crota and you got to the crystal room and you had to make orbs with the two bananas, they were going to come in from each side. There were two people you called on the Sunsinger and the Gunslinger because the Gunslinger made eight orbs and I think the Sunsinger made like nine or something. something Like like one more. One more. One more than the Gunslinger. So we could make some orbs. (laughs) We just had orbs. We just had to kill yellow bars to do it. Okay? Right. I don't you, that. Right. Don't and you had to one shot kill. You had yeah. a one shot kill though. Well, that's okay. Just hit what you're aiming for. I mean, <laughs> you get, you get but, the okay. two knights in the room and the oversoul. That is your whole job. <laughs> I know it was really hard. Also, it was really hard. I all of a sudden witty repartee is just worth nothing. Mm. Um there's so much good man. good like cards in this this section. All of my summary from this today's kind of uh, lore topic came from cards, mainly item cards. If you guys have never looked at the item cards, Mm -hmm. totally go do that because some of the best flavor text in the entire game comes from the different item cards. Just saying. The snark is amazing. Oh my god, it's so good. You get so much from Ikora and Cade that you don't hear from in any of the other (laughs) grimoire. It's amazing. What are items? What are <laughs> items? You need, from you. you need to just <laughs> himself. Coming from you of all people. You of all people, Mr. Gunsmith man. Uh, okay, that was a little angrier than I meant for it to sound. I'm sorry, Rhino. Gunsmith man. <laughs> Gunsmith. <laughs> I'm not cross-eyed like Banshee. Okay. Uh, no. I have you are much smarter him than him. I have long enough to probably annoy my wife. 
<laughs> Speaking of void, I could jump into that card if we want. Yeah, do you want to jump? Yeah, let's jump into the void card real quick. It's super short. I like mm-hmm. it. So void says it's fitting then that we have weaponized the unknown. The universe is defined by fundamental forces, fundamental forces beneath the world of light and matter lies the vacuum and the vast dark secrets that it contains. In the understanding of this vacuum lies the secret of void light. Oh, there's so much to unpack from this uh-huh. card. There's so much to unpack from a lot of the void related cards. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be talking uh I'll I'll talk about this a little bit later when we get done with the cards. But uh Captain Kex put together a really, really awesome post over on Reddit. Uh oh man, I think he put this about a year ago he put this up um and it's it's kind of his theory on uh what exactly the void is um and it's really well done and it makes a lot of sense uh, i actually i'm actually kind of i kind of come to really agree with it uh but like i said i'm going to talk about that after this after this last card that we have uh do you guys want to weigh in on the void card or do you want to talk about the shadow shot real quick I think we'll wait on the void card because uh, there's something I want to add to that too later on. Okay. Kex, yeah. Kex, Let's talk. Dragon, and I, we all got in a pretty good discussion on Twitter. I wish I had that captured somewhere, but we, we talked about the void a couple weeks back. It was pretty awesome. Cool. All right. Well, let's do Shadow Shot. the Purple Arrow. Yeah. Let's do Justin's favorite super ever the Shadow Shot card. So this card says, summon the power of the void to draw back and launch a precision long-range projectile that reaches out and snares enemies with slowing, draining tethers of void light. Shadow Shot lets a hunter's dead-eye precision carve a path to new battles. So there's, there is that card. And then real quick, uh, to go back to the Night Stalker card, I forgot to kind of make this comment. But if you uh, if you if you know anything, and I, I talked about this in chat actually as well, and I kind of find this an interesting little play on words. Um, so the I guess it's the subtitle of this card is it says "Draw from the Void, Light the Way." Um, this is interesting to me because, like I said, play on words. I, I kind of I really like play on words. If you follow or if you know anything about archery, the word "draw." actually has a lot of meaning in archery. Mm-hmm. Um, so to draw is, well, there's there's a lot of meanings for draw. The common example of draw is to pull or drag so as to make it follow behind, such as a vehicle. You, you would draw it along with you. Uh, you can also have the definition of draw being extraction of an object or a liquid from a container or receptacle. Um, and then draw is also uh, to take out a weapon. So, you know, you draw your, your blade, you draw your sword. Um, however, there is also a term that is used heavily in archery. And that means, and it means in archery, it's often attributed to the weight of the pool, which translates into the power of the shot. So basically what this means is the heavier the draw, the more powerful the shot. So when you when you have a bow, um, and this is especially noticeable in a regular bow, not a compound bow. Like compound bows, there's a huge technical explanation for compound bows. But I'm just talking about just a regular... Please. Like, 
<laughs> yeah, pulleys. That's that's exactly <laughs> that's the easy ex- explanation. There's a lot of pulleys on compound bows. Cam. Um, but uh, so like a regular long bow or a regular short bow, whatever, you know, just the standard like your traditional bow. What a draw is, is when you pull that string back to actually, so you you put an arrow on the string and you pull it back. When you pull that back, how long or how hard it is to pull that string back, that is the draw. So the harder it is to pull the string back, the, the higher the tension, basically, the, the heavier the draw. What that also translates into is that's a more forcible punch. So when you let that string go and it slaps forward and, you know, hurls the arrow forward, if you have a heavier draw, that arrow is going to hit your target with much more force. Uh, This is very important, especially, you know, along medieval battle tactics, because you see this with longbows. Longbows are naturally going to have a heavier draw than shortbows. Mm-hmm. Which is really important when you're fighting, I don't know, people in field plate. That's kind of a big thing. You want to be able to punch through the person's armor to actually hit the person underneath the armor. Otherwise, it's absolutely useless to have bowmen. Um, as well as stay out of range. Wh- right. They kill and their horse and then their horse falls on them and not, then they break their just, leg. Just, no. <laughs> don't, oh, God. It's, it's a valid strap. Why are you? Why are you? Just do, okay. Anyways. Oh, so. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and then you know, and then you have the trick shot, like the Parthians. Right. right. Yeah. Tr- <laughs> yeah. God. Both of you go away. Um, Backwards on horses. <laughs> but uh, so, so when you say draw from the void, and this was kind of a really interesting little thing that I kind of, I kind of thought of when I was talking about it. I was like, as I was reading, it, I was like, okay, so the draw weight of the, and so you also realize that shadow shot. The actual bow has a name. It's called the dusk bow. So your mm-hmm. dusk bow has a heavy draw weight, and that is where the power of that shot comes from. Because you see this repeatedly mentioned when you're talking about the dusk bow, is that there is a very heavy price for drawing that bow. There is a very heavy price. Your light gets twisted. You become the monster. You 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 can't fear drawing the void bow. And so when you think about it in terms of a as draw weight for the actual bow, if you think about it like that, the draw weight is actually a metaphysical draw weight. You're pouring a lot of energy into this thing. You're pouring more than just maybe just technically injury inner energy. You're pouring yourself into it. And that's adding to the power. That's where the power of the dusk bow kind of kind of stems from. So from a metaphysical standpoint, there is actually a spiritual draw that you are pulling on to fire the dusk bow. And that's where you get the fear that Tevis talks about. Right, and Green Green just sent me that one. It's uh, in a Ranger film. Tevis, Tevis actually, uh, Tevis, I love Tevis. Um, he says, I've had a dozen hunters ask me why it's so hard to summon a dusk bow. I asked them what they thought of the void and their eyes told me everything. You can't be afraid. That's the secret. No fear. Mm-hmm. Ain't scared. So that that so, it just to me is it, it's always an interesting little play on words for the Night Stalker card. Definitely. Yeah, I think it's worth noting too that uh, the Duskbow itself is actually a recurve bow. 
Yes, it is a Which recurve. We're, bow. It's we're a very talking odd, about a very odd recurve bow, but it is a recurve. Uh, it's I, I wouldn't call it odd, more ornate. Oh, okay. Um, I guess that's yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, but it is uh, just for anyone who's listening who's not in the archery. A recurve bow is any bow in which the limbs or each end of the bow actually points away slightly from the uh, from the bowman. So it actually is able to store more energy in this form um, for delivering the arrow to its target. That's um, what I was getting ready to ask if it was meant to actually increase the range and the punch of the bow in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it actually is. And yeah. actually what it's for the design of it is actually to deliver more punch because yeah. if you have a straight limb bow to increase the, the range or the, the feet per second of your arrow, you have to make the bow longer, right? You can pack more punch in a shorter bow with a recurve because of that, because of that shape, because of the ends of the bow slightly tilting away from the user. It just physically makes there to be more force. So someone who has to, yeah, yeah. So someone who has to fight, say in close quarters, who doesn't want to carry a big Robin hood, you know, gigantic bow that's like a long bow, like Blue is talking about, that that is almost six feet tall. Someone who doesn't want to carry that through the brush and undergrowth can have a recurve that's half that length and deliver the same force. Makes sense. Well, and the hunters are all about agility, too. So they're going to be using yeah. it on the fly. Hey, you know, real quick, I just wanted to kind of point out with the with the void bow, and uh, the way that it draws out, and it's kind of like a black mirror to, uh, you know, a character from Greek mythology that I like to think about, uh, Artemis, and how she kind of summons the light into her bow, and how she, I mean, there's a lot of different stories that kind of, you know, go off on different paths about her, but the basic concept of her huntress uh, abilities and the way that she kind of, you know, use that bow. Uh, remind me a lot of the Night Stalker class. I can see that, definitely. Mm-hmm. What's scary, I think, about and just kind of direct us out of the, 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 the bow itself back into the void a little bit is that the Night Stalkers, Ikora talks about how the Night Stalkers found a way to turn the void light into flame, talking about the grenades that we use. Mm-hmm. as a night stalker and i say we because night stalker is the primary subclass that i run probably 80 percent of the time Me but too. uh uh-huh it's so good it's so good why would you Space want to do anything biscuits. else it's so good wombo combo for life double space biscuit arms mm-hmm. <laughs> for the women. yeah but she talks about how night stalkers found a way to turn the void light into flame without a single iota of solar energy involved. And she says if he cared about any any of the intricacies of light manipulation, Shax would say that is quite a thing. So Ikora even says that Night Stalkers have kind of figured out something that most people wouldn't necessarily think necessarily think would be a big deal. But the fact that you can turn something that is void into a flame, that kind of is a big deal. Mm-hmm. There's enough energy there or void energy to actually create a flame manifest. It's good. So good. Well, Rhino, I know you said you had a you had a conversation 
for the void that you wanted to you wanted oh, to reiterate yeah, yeah are we, we're gonna talk about the void yeah let's talk about the void a little bit okay well you know let's you go ahead and do uh kex's i don't want to take away from his because that's really the plat that's really the oh, okay is that is that like the foundation anyway. yeah yeah because okay. what we did what we did over on twitter was he brought that up in uh you know, he had a couple of questions in Twitter and he just kind of threw them out there. And uh, I, Dragon and I, we kind of got involved in this long conversation about uh, kind of the intricacies of his uh, theory, which is mm-hmm. really good. Oh, God, uh, I, I love it. Yeah, it, it kind of opened a door for me, too. Uh, and I kind of just saw it in a whole new way. I already have a really good concept and a good grasp on what the void is just because of the. Uh, the astronomy factor and a lot of the different, uh, a lot of the different comprehension I already have about what space is and and the and and basically the void between stars, all those things. And but so yeah, I'm really yeah, I'm really hyped about this part. So, yeah. <laughs> so Kex, I'm gonna link I'm gonna link this in the show notes because it's definitely very very worth going back and reading. Um, but basically the, he, he provides, he very kindly provides a TLDR at the very start of this. Um, and he says the void is the space that houses the ascendant realms, the black garden and the Vex network and how it connects light over space and time. Uh, and, and Kex being Kex, you know, Kex for the win here. He, he provides a very, very nice picture for, for us to, to be able to see, um, so and in, in he goes and as in standard Kex format, he goes and he goes through all the grimoire cards that he's going to lay out, kind of like what we do with the podcast here. And he lays out uh, the Void Grimoire, the Master the Void subclass, the Void Walker card, and then I believe it is one of the quests. I can't remember. Is it just the? Oh, it's just the story mission uh, for one of the story missions from Vanilla in which Ulantan speaks of the light being connected to everything everywhere. Um, and so and he goes on to say, and I'm just going to read what he says, because as usual, he says it much better than I could. He says, reading these cards tells a story to me. The void is a place outside space and time. It's a space between stars and it's the absence of everything else. The void capital V is where void walkers, night stalkers and defender Titans draw their power. But they do so in different ways. Night Stalkers draw its power to bind creatures. Titans use it to create a shield. And Warlocks walk in it to do to learn the, its secrets. I do believe that Void Light and the Void itself is something special, set apart from the other two elements. Arc is found in the binding of matter. All living things have Arc Light. Solar is carried within Quanta. But Void Light is taken from another place and, when used against life, releases the light within. Uh, life steal for warlocks being one example. So his theory for what this place is that when Tolan speaks of walking in the void and the other cards and items speak of staring into it, when we fight Atheon in the vault of glass, we become marked by the void and start to lose our vision. Only the cleansing of the Aegis keeps us going. The Voidwalker card speaks of the wizards of high of the hive and how some compare void walkers again, walking in the void with them. Wizards are the scalpel that the hive used to cut into the universe. The interesting part here is cutting. So if this is the place between stars, a place of immense power that spans both time and space, what significance does that have on the sword realms and the Vex network? So then he goes and he starts with the sword realms uh, and basically explains, you know, the sword realms, 
uh, which we, which most of us know. Uh, uh, if you don't know, it's explained in the Books of Sorrow, uh, verse three one. Um, and this is really basically these are creations of what's called ascendant hive, which are immensely powerful hive creatures such as Oryx um, and his sisters and Crota. Uh, these are these are very very powerful things. This is actually. Trying to remember if this was this conversation. Oh no, it was a different conversation I had about Eris that I'll I'll touch on in just a second. Um, but basically, he says that he believes that this space that the worms cut into and later the hive do is actually the void. The void seems to be opposite of both arc and solar, and both the worms and the hive have practiced the arts of consuming and flaying light. Granted, in some unknown manner, still, my theory is that by practicing sword logic and feeding their worm. Ascendant hive, powerful ascendant hive manifests the ability to cut through the fabric or membrane that separates the void from our plane of existence. To add to this, I think that this method to pierce the veil using light or light stealing techniques is the same method we as guardians summon the power of the void, albeit with very different methods. Uh, side note here, that is also kind of going back to the summoning ritual of your paracausal capabilities. But... Going forward, so when Hive cut into the space, they remove Void Light to create their realm. Void Light can be formed into shapes, evident by the Void Bow. It could be the same method that shapes the Sword Realm's content. The more powerful the Hive, the bigger the space it can cut into the Void. So with this crazy theory, how does this connect to the Vex? So then he goes on to explain... The partition, uh, verse 4-8 from the Books of Sorrow, which is where we actually get introduced to the Vex by by Crota. Because what happens is Crota literally cut open a new wound, which we just kind of talked about. Could be actually, um, could actually be the Void Light. So when he cuts a new wound into the Void Light, oh, out of these things come these really crazy brassy things called Vex, and they invade the throne world. Um... And Crota got he got grounded. Oh yeah, Crota, Crota got duped. Is what Crota got. Okay. No, I'm gonna hit a mother Crota with another mother Crota. Crota, um, Crota was the victim of of conspiracy. Yeah, Crota was the victim of having older sisters. <laughs> that, I will just say that as an older sister. Girls rule, boys drool. Yeah, call. Okay, so let me let me springboard real quick, and mm-hmm. I will be as short as possible on these things because I really want to go into the void part. Uh, first off, the fabric of space and how it relates to Crota and how we think of the void. If you can imagine layers, if you took a, if you took a stack of a hundred sheet of papers, hundred sheets of individual pieces of paper, and laid them on top of one another. And then you imagine each one of those as being a separate plane of existence. The void is the very space in between every one of those astral planes. Now, imagine the ability to tear through individual sheets of paper and jump from one to another. Mm -hmm. Okay? All right. So, now, Crota tears a hole, rips open a fabric. The, and this is a whole another article that I did about the Mirai and how they and how they relate to the fates uh, in in mythology. But 
they are very much tampering with the fabric of space. We know of space as being fabric. That's the easiest way to, to describe it because we can't conceptualize it any other way. We don't have, we don't have the sight to see what the void is in our naked eye. So we have to imagine it on a fabric plane. The fabric that moves around in space is very much determined by the objects that are in the astral plane. If you imagine our universe as one sublayer in between two astral planes and you being able to jump from one to the other, the Vex were very much on one sheet of paper. <clears throat> the Hive were on another sheet of paper. The Hive just happened to be here with us. And then the Vex came through that sheet as well. So when Crota was duped into tearing open this hole, thinking that he could get more powerful by understanding this new logic that he thought he had found, um, he was very much just opening up an opportunity for, for uh, some other threat to come in and try to learn his tricks. Um, so back to Ulan Tan and how he jumps and how I think personally he has some sort of connection to Thanatonauts and their ability to pierce the veil, which would be piercing each one of those layers or one of those sheets and being able to jump to an astral plane to gain a separate understanding. Now, a very fundamental law of void walkers is to walk the void. They have the, the ability to walk and try to understand what that void is. The very understanding of nothing is, is what we can only comprehend. It. But there's a very much, uh, the absence of everything is very much where all of that energy is pulled from. In science, the void is particles annihilating and creating themselves simultaneously out of thin air. If you can imagine the void as destruction and creation constantly happening in those spaces between stars, then when you think about space, it's not a vast emptiness. It's not a vacuum. It's not the absence of, of things. It's actually very much everything. And so when Ulan Tan speaks about how light is con connected, it's because every one of these subparticles that are, that are existing and annihilating themselves between these astral planes, there are so many opportunities for things to jump. Um, so that being said, when we started talking about uh, what the void was and how it translated to light and how we can focus this energy and bring it into our paracausal abilities, uh, one, of the, one of the very things you need to kind of remove is this idea that <clears throat> the forge of life, which is one of the four fundamental forces of, of the universe, the forge of life is very much connected to this idea uh, that we have on Earth, which is we're born, we live, because we have a sun. We have light. Uh, light gives us our nutrients, our essence, and kind of helps support our life cycle. Um, when you start to introduce other ideas like gravitational forces or, you know, strong and weak forces, when you start talking about fusion uh, and you start talking about electromagnetics and you start talking about uh, being able to create uh, electricity, all of these uh, forges that you can kind of create out of thin air, as you will, um, you're, you're basically taking that matter that's all around you 
and you're reshaping it. Um, you know, if you went back maybe 500 years ago and tried to show uh, a, a regular person on the street a computer, they would think you were, you know, a warlock. You know, they would think you were <laughs> a, a, a void walker. They wouldn't understand. And so mm-hmm. these guys in this uh, futuristic format that we've kind of got, they've tapped into this. Uh, and so they're, they're pulling from that knowledge. They've gained that understanding. Um, but so Kex brought up this really cool idea about why would, why would the darkness and light uh, need each other? Uh, and that's kind of, I'm just going to summarize it because it kind of went off. But the idea that your ghost can channel the light, and I brought you into this because we were talking about this a long time ago, mm-hmm. I believe on the Guardian episode when we were talking about Eyes Up Guardian and how our ghost was basically turning us into an engine that mm-hmm. can consume and create its own light. And we thought about these different darkness zones and we thought about these different areas that we can survive, but then there's other areas we die and how we can revive one another and we can share this light, this, this anima, this uh, very, you know, key or chi or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and we're able to share that. So our paracausal, our paracausal ability transcends what normally uh, would be perceived in somebody who just wants to devour like the hive. Uh, so we're kind of sharing, we're taking our light and we're giving it to one another. And so we've created an environment where sharing and giving the light freely to one another has opened up a vast source of power that our enemy threats uh, can't understand and they can't compete with. So that was kind of where we went with that. But the idea was that you can't think of light and darkness as being good or evil. And you cannot think about void as being, being the uh, opposite of, of, you know, of arc and of solar. <laughs> it is what binds everything together. It is the very fabric of space. It is the very space in between those other two forces, those other two energies that we are able to tap into and manipulate and turn into whatever we want to, like a void bow. Um, so, when we're pulling these void bows out of thin air and we're taking these grenades and we're hurling them, our focus and our energy and our mind is projecting what we can understand from the very fabric of space around us and manipulate it into a physical object that can do whatever we need it to do. I like it. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Didn't no, 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 no. That's... No. That's, that's, I mean, and so going off that, uh, I think it was D, I think it was DJ in chat kind of, he, we were talking about the, the Kex theory and he kind of made the point too, that like, uh, to kind of step into the defender Titan, right? You could even argue that. So like, uh, you know, void walkers, they walk, uh, night stalkers, they, they punch a hole and they kind of, they create that, uh, that binding, you know, power. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I mean, they 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 kind of harness the vacuum aspect mm-hmm. of the void uh, because that's you know the primary aspect of the night stalkers right. to bind it's the things. Connectedness of, it's the connectedness of the universe. The tethering is basically taking that stream of void energy, and everything that's around you is already connected. Right, you know, it, string theory. I know it's been, 
Yeah, right. Yeah, well, and I, I know you were going to go there. That's kind of, you know, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of scientists don't go down that road anymore. There's a replace string theory, but string theory, yes. We'll just say string theory because if you were to basically point your finger at me across the room, you could touch my forehead just by the space in between your finger and my forehead because there's so much void in between us. And the, oh. the idea is the string being able to touch you back because you touched me. Mm-hmm. So we're all, we are all tethered regardless of knowing <gasps> it or not. So, oh, I just got, that just kind of mm-hmm. clicked. If we're all tethered, already, so is it going down that theory, if you're already all tethered, the tether that a void bow creates is just an actualization of the theoretical, well, not the theoretical, it's a manif- It's a physical manifestation of the tether that is already kind of metaphysically there. Sort of, but it only attracts enemies if you're going to get Well, but I mean, of- but if you're casting it, like the cat, like to kind of be kind of magic space magic here the mm-hmm. caster is is as as the caster you are your understanding of that energy source is allowing you to man to choose to manifest that particular uh frequency uh-huh. of the tether so that okay. you can control that and so and so uh, the 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 law of destiny in, in, in the way that they present the game to us in this triangular format, which is a trilogy, and the idea that everyone is connected and the threes and the number and, and the uh, idea of fabric and being able to tear that open and stitch it back shut and then to be able to weave it and shape it into whatever format you want to goes back to uh, my, my previous uh, idea about how the Mirai have such a major influence on this game and how the fates in destiny are very much the fates outside of destiny, which kind of create this life giving essence that we are all, you know, connected to one another with. And then, so we decide who gets to cut and Mm -hmm. weave and spin. Going back to the fates. Um, Something else that I, I wanted to bring up too, is you think about it, um, void energy is the the nihilistic energy we talked about that so the ward of dawn they talk about it in one of the cards where how do titans titans don't realize the ward of dawn literally can disintegrate things or like (laughs) it's a punch don't realize they can disintegrate things the the void walkers nova bomb disintegrates things in some ways the night stalkers bow Yes, it can disintegrate things when it immediately hits it, but in some ways the residual effect of the stickiness of the bow latching onto matter that is on the ground or the wall or wherever, the fact that we can maintain that void for a little bit longer seems like a, a, not, a not necessarily evolved state of the void attacks or the void walls or anything like that. It's just a different form of it. So they all have very similar functions. And so like what you just tapped on tapped onto is the idea is what is good and what is bad. And it's not that it's, it's how you use it. Cause anything can be, and I threw up something just silly because, but I was, I was, I brought up the idea of if you use a lawnmower to cut your grass, you're doing the, the, you're doing the, you're using the right tool for the job. But if you take that lawnmower and you try to, you know, cut your hedges with it, 
you're probably going to hurt yourself, mm -hmm. right? So it, it's dangerous to mess with things that you don't fully understand. But at the same time, it's also evil if you use anything around you in an evil way. It's also good if you use anything around you in a good way. So these are tools that we've been given. We have an understanding. And what is around us is are the tools that we're using with this new understanding that the light has equipped us with the traveler's gift that he's basically touched us with, with this new understanding of how to manipulate things around us. Uh, because when you take that, when you take that discipline and you focus it and you start to understand as you're building your skill tree on your, on your night soccer class, you're opening up those nodes that you didn't have originally. It's because you've been practicing. It's because mm -hmm. you've been getting better. It's because you've gained new understanding. However, when you get to a certain point and you filled up your, subclass tree in order to to harness one particular uh attribute you've got to give up another because that's as far as you can go with that knowledge because you haven't gained knowledge beyond that at this moment so if you want a grenade you know I mean, if you want your void uh if you want your bow to stick to a wall and and, and you know gain entrapment when an enemy comes around the corner you've got to give something up for that well, and it's also it's also if you look at it as a uh, from a phenomenological standpoint, which is you know the projection of your paradigm. Um, okay, uh, sorry. If you if you um, it's a projection of your worldview, right? So parad paradigm is a worldview. Uh, it's a paradigm is akin to the reality in which you exist. Um, so if you change. And and so psych, from a psychological standpoint, changing a paradigm is it, it's not impossible, but it's very difficult, and it's very very it's a very powerful thing to do for an individual. Uh, and a lot of um, uh, counseling deals with this. Uh, and so, but if you if you kind of look at it from a psychological standpoint too. If you view the manifestation of your paracausal power for the night stalkers, you know, just actually this would, this is applicable to any subclass, but if you view it as a changing of the manifestation of the sub, the, the abilities that you have, that could also be changing your understanding of how to manifest the light, which is kind of akin to a paradigm shift. And the thing about a paradigm shift is you can't exist in two paradigms at the same time simultaneously. Like that's it's not possible. It, it would create a paradox in which I've you never thought of that. That's actually a really good idea. I, I like that. You know, because like you sense. because if you're if you're going to if you're going to exist in one specific paradigm and then uh, if you're going to leap to another one, you can't exist in two separate uh, uh, paradigms at the same exact at, at the same exact time. So you have to jump a line, right? right? And that and hence you would technically quote unquote forget the ability of the old paradigm. But given the guardians, <laughs> I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of a reason why you could easily shift. And the only thing that's really coming to me at the moment is the fact that you don't really, you're kind of a blank slate when you're created as a guardian, which would actually, <laughs> which would actually help you switch paradigms very quickly because you don't really have a base paradigm to, to switch from. So yeah, good job. Good job. Psychological yeah. ghosts, band manipulations. I'm a little cruel. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. 
Uh, I actually have a little bit of a theory. You know, um, Green actually, this is a little bit off base, but it goes back to what Green said about uh, Ikora being a little bit uh, impressed that we were able to summon flames without a bit of solar energy. Um, mm. There's actually what's what's referred to as the firewall res- resolution to the to the black hole paradox. And um, there's a whole, you know, a uh, host of scientists that suggests that if there's enough energy in quanta present at my beeping watch. Um, <laughs> there we go. Time to go. I don't even know. We're just going to wait this out. Um, so I'll be vaping. <laughs> It'll be off in a sec. There it is. A paradigm blue. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> um, so I just threw that watch at the event horizon. Um, yes. No. Uh, anyways, if there is enough energy in quanta oh, present at oh. the event horizon, it in which to, um, and this is actually pretty cool, in which to um, ignite a flame. Uh, there becomes what is known as a firewall, um, which makes me think of the void wall grenade from the night stalker subclass. Mm -hmm. It's that's literally what happens. So what if rather than rather than the, um, the assumption that you are summoning the flames, what if rather the flames are the energy requisite to, to create the flames is always there. You're just summoning the event horizon. I like it. Oh, yeah, I like that one. We, Do you uh, like that? Justin, <laughs> you want to know something else? About What's that? Your watch that you just hurled into the uh, event horizon. It, it was a Casio. Okay. <laughs> was it, was it, it doesn't matter what it is actually. Cause it's a, what watch. time was it when it went in? Yeah. If you took that watch <laughs> and you, let it sit there at the event horizon, it would no longer run, right? It would it would cease to count time. Right, because before. time does not happen at that point. Well, it's or it should happen it's slowly. Though, so. Yeah, because does that matter? Relativity, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. we, all, we all think about the relativity. Well well it in the reference frame of the watch it would still be running, correct? No. Right, but to us, actually, yes, it would still, it would still, too, yeah. in and of itself, it if, would run. But if we well, were wearing it, if we were, if I were wearing the, the, the watch, if I were wearing the watch, and the I watch went to the black wearing, hole, it would be running to me, but not to y'all. Correct? No, no, the watch would very oh. much to to run. It, okay. would, it would be timeless. The watch would no longer be bound by any one of the four fundamental law forces of universe. And Crazy. therefore, the watch would no longer count time. Therefore, you would be timeless. You just therefore, broke you time. No- you know, I didn't yeah, think there was anything broke. else that you could break, <laughs> but you just broke time. Good so job, Justin. In that instance, Justin, you just became you just can- became immortal. Timeless. And then you get squished. <laughs> Much get like Mythoclast. Go any further, you become noodle-fied. Also, <laughs> also, um... <laughs> That's the I, best I, kind of noodles in Justin noodles. I I did want to bring this up because you guys 
Y'all are goofy. Um, <laughs> no, we. Okay, so you've got you've got purple thing, purple flames for your uh, for your void wall grenade ability on the night stalker. Um, do you know what actually affects um, the? It, it has an effect on the color of a flame. Yeah, the metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fuel present. So right. a yeah, lot of times, a lot of times when you like, say, if you had a a, a cutting penny. torch, a penny, Burn like a penny. oxygen acetylene torch, <laughs> like um, the more oxygen you gave it, the more yellow it would be, and that, and so on and so forth. But a little known fact about the effects that uh, contribute to the color of a flame is gravity. Um, so as a flame burns. There's actually um, soot and extra fuel that becomes lighter, and there's a difference in air pressure that that occurs inside the flame. So that actually rises, and the burning of that actually contributes to the color of the flame. In zero grav, um, zero G, uh, a flame burns almost in a perfect sphere. Um, So in a pure... In a pure oxygen zero gravity environment, oh, all of so that, cool. all of all of that fuel is not allowed to move yeah. because of the differences in air pressure that occur in in a you know an environment having gravity. So, um, what you get is a blue or purple ball. It's very much why the stars look the way they do when they're dying, and why white dwarfs look the way they do because of that superheated. Um, gas that is that is burning out is not susceptible to the gravity anymore so it's becoming much more dense and much more compact because mm-hmm. there is no other um, you know layer of atmosphere that it has created from all those uh, destructive chemical reactions and yeah asthmas. Mm-hmm. I found so, what chemicals make purple purple fire. Blue violet color is supplied by a potassium salt and a salt substitute, which is edible. And then red violet color comes from uh, strontium nitrate, Mm -hmm. strontium nitrate, which is found in strontium. Thank you. Found in red emergency flares. Fun fact, you can buy pine cones that are soaked in some of these chemicals and throw <laughs> yes, it in a fire can. pit, yes, and it's so can. much fun. You have, you have magic fire, and you can really freak out young children with it and make the them sparkles, think you're a wizard. It's so good. It's so good. So here's, here's I, I a, may or may not have done that before. I don't know what you're talking about. I've never heard of this before. Uh, mm-hmm. So another another fun Justin Justin accused me of being goofy, so I got to live up to this accusation. You kind of are. All right. So here's here's a fun here's a fun little factoid. Um, you know we talk and pins pins will know where I'm going with this because my my night stalker has a nickname, um, and we call him Cupid. Uh, and the reason is because so if you understand the way that your super used your super is used. It's a paracausal manifestation used by your will, right? Well, if you're if you're a fan of I don't know the DC Green comic U- the DC comic universe, you'll know of a character who goes by the name of the Green Lantern. Well, what you should also be aware of is there's a lot of different types of lanterns. 
There's a purple one. I love one. this part. There's a purple one. Purple lantern. <laughs> the purple lantern. The lantern of love. The lantern of love. And guess what? Star we're, Sapphire. <laughs> we are an archer. So we're the Purple Lantern Corps who uses an art bow. We are Cupid. Who are, who are actually really terrified. We are Cupid. In the comics. Get over oh it. My. Yeah, oh yeah, no. And, and that's the other thing is like the Purple Lantern Corps are absolutely freaking terrifying. Psycho? But yeah, they're they're absolutely insane. But you could argue that Night Stalkers might be a little bit insane. What's too. funny is this idea of alchemy is ever present in the game too, and these mm-hmm. chemical changes and this remapping of the fabric of space and how we've come to understand and manipulate matter and energy into a new force. And so what I like to what I like to think of is these chemical burns and these chemical reactions are constantly happening in the universe every single second. In fact. I don't know if you've got any rusty metal around your house or outside anywhere that you can go look at. But if you look at that, that's very much on fire. A piece of rusting steel out in the field is a chemical burn. It is literally a rust burn. I don't know if you can reaction correctly, mm-hmm. but there are items in game called rust burner. And so these ideas that we are, you know, literally taking these alchemic reactions and, and focusing them in a different way. You know, that's another that's another key component to it. I mean, these are the like like Tolan said, these are the keys, right? The, mm-hmm. the you know these. So what I what I heard is a new definition of a slow burn. Yeah. Should I give you a slow clap for that? <laughs> as long as it's faster, as long as it's faster than a rust burn, I think we're okay. There you go. But actually, reading through all the all the Night Stalker cards and coupling those with what we already know about all the Voidwalker cards and the Defender Titan stuff we have, it very much seems that it's much more than a chemical reaction. So it, it seems a lot more in my mind um, rooted in gravity. Um, gravity, relativity, black holes well, it, seems it to be at by, the heart. It, well, it all abides by, it's not, you know, there's not one, there's not one specific central component. It, it's like when we go back and we say things are in layers and things are on separate planes and we're able mm-hmm. to grab be, between. You, you cannot think of, of a dot on a piece of paper and then thinking everything has to connect to this dot. In order for that dot on the paper to exist, the paper has to exist, the pen has to exist, right? So the very, the very idea that one thing has to be at the very epicenter uh, needs to go out the window. What we need to understand is that for, for reality to exist and for life to exist and for any of these other components that aim to exist, we, they have to abide by certain fundamental laws of the universe and then we take that and we throw it out the window because we have paracausal abilities that are able to grasp in between those voids of space and grasp from other planes of existence and our enemies are playing with that and it's dangerous and they're showing up here in our reality so but what my question is what if what we're seeing when we look at a at a vortex grenade, what if what we're seeing isn't a vortex grenade? What if it's not a grenade at all? What if what we're seeing when we look at that grenade is light bending around a black hole? 
the, the light you can see when it comes to a black hole, that's the only way you can see it. Is you can only see the things around it. You can't see it exactly. itself. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like what, what what you're seeing is the convergence of light bending around a black hole. And yeah, it's it's very highly animated and uh, um, you know, dramatized. You know, it's there because of everything that's around it. That's being exactly. That's all I'm saying. Like yeah. I feel like I feel like all the the subclasses. You can't see it. It's not tangible, but you know it's there and it connects it. Well, yeah, yeah. It's like you're you're not seeing it. You're seeing the absence of it. You're seeing everything around it. Hey, Justin, mm-hmm. I have something you can dramatize. You want to read something for me? Dramatize. <laughs> I can dramatize anything. What, what you got? I put it in chat for you. It's one of the cards. Are we reading cards still? Okay. It's just one more. Um, no, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> okay. There we go. <laughs> Picking it up is the easy part, Hunter. Putting it down again, well, you'll find that it's addictive. That power. This weapon is something special. I just went completely. This weapon <laughs> is something Special. <laughs> Your light gets twisted, changed. You find the power to punch through and borrow something from the other side. The void opens up a hole and draws from the deep. Go ahead, carry it a while, Hunter. You'll feel how heavy it can get. Gate six. <laughs> Night Stalker's Trail. <laughs> Shut up, Blue. God. <laughs> Hard enough. I thought you being all chuckle house in my face. I'm just glad there's no webcams going on. I would have died. This, I... this, this repon is something special. <laughs> the void opens, opens up a oh. hole. He's <laughs> lost. Oh my god! If you anal- if you analyze this card when he says uh, picking picking it up is the easy part, Hunter putting it down again. Well, you'll find that it's addictive. So, do you think? And we're talking about the void, and I know that I know that there's nothing that connects him. But in Ulantan's idea that light is connected throughout, and we can punch through and borrow something from the other side like it says in this card and like uh, i was saying about the the layers and then the space in between the layers and then the vex showing up in our reality from a separate reality but then there's also the voided space in between those layers which is where we we postulate the hive exists um so when you think about the deep and you think about the void as being the deep and 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 that space in between would you say because we know ulan tan or it's you know theorized that he's dead because he has a freaking burial ring right so do you think that he could have gotten too close to something that was connected to this very warning right here in the night stalkers trail i mean it's difficult to say i kind of view the void and this is just my own head canon, nothing, I mean, science-wise at least. The void in my head is a, a light-contained version of antimatter. And we contain it and we manipulate it. 
and we punch through. So think about what we experience every day. We, what we experience personally every single day is matter and objects around us. So we punch through the other side and pull the opposite of it. We pull antimatter, which is incredibly volatile. And we contain it with the light or we manipulate it with the light. And the fact that Ulan, Tan, and all those other people who got used to manipulating it, somehow getting either too close to it or something else happened to them, I mean, it's possible. But I don't necessarily think it in of itself is detrimental. Mm-hmm. It's just another force. That's true yeah. to Blue. I mean, that's assuming that Ulan was an actual guardian. Right. And maybe he wasn't. Maybe that's why he's dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's the well, defense that I keep going back yeah, to. It's yeah. like, he's yeah. dead. <laughs> yeah. well, but we know. But we, we all know he's more troubled dead than he was alive. Right? Yeah. yeah. So right. So, and we know who else is in more, who else has been kind of a stinker since he's been, well, he's dead, but not dead. Well, Toland is just kind of a pain in everybody's butt, but you know. And there's another stinker that's dead, but not dead, right? The guy in the Vex yeah. time loop. Yeah, he's really not dead though. Well he so never Cyrus lives. So let me let me put this let me put this in another triangle for you. So we have Osiris. I like your use of triangles. Thank you. We have we have Osiris living on a sheet of paper, right? We have Tolan <laughs> living in between a sheet in between sheets of paper, right? Mm-hmm. Osiris is Lord Voldemort. Voldemort okay. confirmed. Okay, and Ulan Tan. He's he's connecting those two dots. I thought Osiris had eyebrows. <laughs> I thought he had a nose. I love, I love how, I love how, how Justin misses the entire triangle. <laughs> he's like, whoa, 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 whoa wait, wait. Osiris doesn't have a nose. Like what? Uh, yeah, well, like what? <laughs> I need more he dots. could totally take over a school for kids. Like he could make <laughs> that happen. That wouldn't be that hard. No, I mean I could see that. I... It's Look, we're talking about to the connect void, some of the characters. You, so. can't, you can't describe it. So all you know is that it's there because we have things that we can see and how it affects those. It's just like the fabric of space. We know it's there because of how things float around and they affect each other because they're swimming in this big soupy mess. Well, we so, know it's there because mathematically we know it's there. There's correct. no actual because visual. We can analyze, we can analyze right. the floating booms around us, which is matter and see how it swims in that very nothingness. Right. So if, yeah. if, if the Vex were brought here because, you know, Crota tears open a hole from another sheet of paper into his his realm and then they're all of a sudden yeah yeah and they're all of a sudden everywhere now i mean what other what other what other dots are there right that's that's a fair point crota opening his wormholes yeah Thank you for getting the pun, Blue. I appreciate that. (laughs) Thank you. I worked hard. Infant. Infant. What is it? Uh, I forget what it was. You infantile imbecile. (laughs) I need more dots.
No. I, I, do you need more dots or do you need more lines? See? Right. That's the type of paradox you're, you're talking about here. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, everything's possible. Um, I think, I think, uh, the void quite possibly is the opposing force to the light. It's what probably we call the darkness, but really nope. the darkness isn't the void. It's, that, that it's quite, it's, it's more simply, more simply a driving force escaping the void. So everything is a force and everything is a force in nature. What we have no. it, no, what we I'm argue not. against is a personality, possibly another being, another will. Oh, so, um, <laughs> no, I'm not saying the darkness is the void blue. God, read a book. Um, <laughs> Blue's like yelling in chat for those of you who are listening to the podcast <laughs> l- later. He's literally screaming in our private chat. I'm not saying the darkness is you the just void. Said it. No, 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 no. It's not, it's not what I was trying to say. I might have accidentally said that, but that's not what I was trying the to say. Was, darkness has a benevolent personality, a will driving it. The void is not that. The void is yeah, natural. The void is, is devoid of personality completely. <laughs> it's devoid. Devoid. But, uh, uh, no, no. Uh, I mean, what I'm saying is. What I'm saying is uh, light trying to escape a black hole is what we're dealing with here. The void is literally an instance of gravity that is so dense that even light can't escape it. That doesn't make it evil. That just makes it a natural phenomenon. Mm -hmm. So light will find a way. Aww. I want a song to plug in here in case... (laughs) I love that Justin's in just no. <laughs> All right, before we turn get to on it. your hot light. <laughs> oh no, not that one. Not that one. <laughs> do you want to roll the dispatches before we get completely? Let's do it. All right. Dispatches from the wilds. All right, guys. So we get we got one, and you know what, Justin? I think you like reading these, don't you? I I do. I really <laughs> do. So, this is this is from Beyond the Fell Handed and Mecca Drewzilla. Um, hello, FFC crew. Bjorn and Mecca Drewzilla are back again. This time with some Night Stalker fun. Many before you have failed to summon the bow, to draw its forces, you to stand at the edge of the light. To draw it forces you to stand at the edge of light, sorry. Um, for it's not the courage to pack. It's not the courage of the pack that makes it. Wow, reading are fun. Um, they call it the light of the pack, but they do not understand. In the void, you are alone. You are quiver to its envenomed. Oh, snare, bloodbound to a black hole. Are you afraid? 
Ours is the way of the fearless. When courage seems to vanish in smoke, dare to step into the shade. Be a predator. Draw the bow. Make the dark fear. Hmm. I like that. That's a good one. Also, they do some good work. And as there was always, some- I will throw that uh, that image up in the Discord and then also yeah. over on the Facebook album. Like there were some moderate words in the beginning, but then some small, difficult words in the beginning and the middle that really gave me some trouble. <laughs> Reading. <laughs> Reading our fun. Yeah. Oh, man. So, so with that, let's go to the uh, final comments or the shout outs. Um, Rhino, what do you what do you got for us? Any shout outs you'd like to give? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just shout out my boys at MuleHornGaming.com. You know, I write articles uh, whenever I get a wild theory or something connects one of these dots on my pieces of paper. Uh, and so I post them there, but I also put links on my website. You can go there at Rhino.com or Rhino666.com. That's R-Y-N-O-666. Or you can just find me at Twitter and see me ranting and raving and doing all kinds of crazy crazy antics there at uh rhino underscore six 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 um but yeah you know mainly you guys i want to shout out to you guys because you guys have been uh you know a big influence on me and and i'm glad i i kind of have a place i can find home and kind of just you know share my crazy crazy antics uh and uh have a place to kind of watch everybody you know be all these awesome ideas that i get to see uh every day so yeah kudos to you guys Oh yeah! <laughs> thank you. And then Green, oh, what do you got for us? I just want to thank Rhino for not only joining us tonight, but being crazy awesome in the Discord. Not only does this guy do a lot of work on just normal week-to-week chat for each of our topics, he also has a whole thing that he works on about all the guns in Destiny and all the weapons. So if you ever have a question about any of the weapons in Destiny, hit this guy up because he's got so much information on all of it. And we're actually working on a big project sort of together-ish. We've been working on it. A bunch of people in Discord are kind of joining in to kind of pull everything together for him. So I want to thank Rhino for being one of the content creators in this community that kind of gets underappreciated, I think, for all the work that he does. Uh, Thanks. Yeah. And then not only for you, um, just the community in general, all the people in our Discord who works behind the scenes. There's so many people who don't get recognized on a a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's Blue, Justin, and I who are kind of – we put out the show – and blue honestly makes it look really, really easy, but there's mm-hmm. so much work that goes on in the background that yeah. nobody sees that everyone puts in, everyone puts in their thoughts and their topics and people that are working on mind maps and doing all these different things and book club. And honestly, we would not be a community that could put on a show like this if it wasn't for you guys. So if you're in our discord chat and you are contributing in these kind of ways, Thank you so much. And if you're in our Discord chat and you're not commu- uh, contributing like this, that's awesome too. You're there. You're participating. You're watching. It's okay to be a lurker. 
It really is. I was a lurker for about two months before I decided to say something. But if you yeah. want to contribute, totally feel free. Oh my God, we're so open to that. <laughs> Even if you don't feel like you can jump into Discord chat with any of like the major topics, DM somebody. Mm-hmm. Just start talking because that's any part of the, of the way we learn. Any oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Any of moderators, host, any of us. We'll feel free. I mean, we'll message you back. It might take us a while to get back to you, but we would love to have chats with you guys about it. Yeah, I gotta get my wife more active in that book chat. Dark mm. Tower is her Oh my god, it's so life. good. I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> so confused that as what's going on. Is what Shout at my wife and ask her any question you have about it because she knows everything there is to know about it. Trust I'm afraid. Me. I'm afraid, I'm afraid. To ask. <laughs> The problem is with that series is you ask a question, you're like, eh, I wanna answer you. There is an answer. But if you haven't read all of it, <laughs> Yeah. See, really I'm excited because it. Sean, the art, art guy who's in our Discord chat, he's actually my buddy from college who got me into D&D. And I finally pulled him back into talking into chat because this is his favorite series, too. So it's like, yes, slowly but surely I'm converting him to one of my nerddoms. <laughs> yes. All right, Justin, I know you have a list that continues to grow as I as I'm talking. You people keep taking a long time. <laughs> a long night. It's my fault, I say. Okay. So, real quick, want to give shout outs to the following. My roommates for the D2 reveal, Bell Bunny and Ballista Kitty. Awesome. Bell, hope you made it okay. And Ballista Kitty, hopefully, hopefully the spider left you alone at some point. Um, <laughs> big shout out to my battle buddy, K-Dub. Everything I shot at the D2 reveal, I shot in close proximity to K-Dub. We were, we shot stuff together. There was bonds that were made. (laughs) And I can only really realistically assume that it was because Mark wasn't there. But um, (laughs) it's okay. I'll be the per man's turcot. Um, And uh, great big shout out. Shout out to that podcast. Yeah, shout out to that podcast in question. I think it's called like Guardian Schmadio or something like that. I don't even know what it's called. It's it's really good. You should check it out. They're they're good. Let's get the word out, up and comers. Um, oh God! So um... <laughs> he's gonna get on to you for that. I'm I'm gonna be watching your Twitter. Like whoa, waiting for that comment. You overestimate who watches me do things. Um, so. Uh, also, big shout out, and this is because I lost a bet um, in 64 Josh for becoming the Destiny 2 reveal Mario Kart champion in that he beat one person, that being me. Um, <laughs> great job. Great job. And uh, Morla Gordona, amazing to meet you. Awesome. Awesome human being. And uh, actually told me some juicy stuff I can't share with anybody. So, wow. Um and uh Bo Blue, how do I say the full name? Oh Amos. There you go. How do you get that from a five? I don't know. But yeah, yeah. Bo Bo Amos. Uh I actually got to meet our beloved Bo. So um that was awesome. And 
other than that, other than that, I I can just say hype, 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 hype. Jealous of you meeting Eris, by the way. Oh my, Irma Gerd, she's so cool. Hmm. Well, email email topics for next week is going to be as we stated at or as we stated at the beginning, Clovis Bray. We're going to do a lore, lore dive into Clovis Bray, the man, the that not really a myth company, the company. I don't know. Um, and then also big shout out. Well, okay, first off, big shout out to our new patron. Uh, I think it's Kojans. If I butcher your name, I apologize. I am. Pretty notorious for Co- butchering, butchering screen names, and then Justin taking that and changing your even podcast name for it. So, uh, Coaches, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, and then also, so thank you, thank you so much for your support. Um, and then a big shout out to a, a I guess it, I don't know if it was last week. Or the week before that the Seraphim Archive kind of went up. Um, This is a site that is a, 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 I guess it's a project that the Guardian 21 has kind of put together. Um, And it's basically a central hub for the lore of Destiny. Uh, The archive is designed to be a great step, if not the first, into the lore of Destiny. The lore of Destiny is expansive and complex. It is spread out of hundreds of grimoire cards, missions, cutscenes, dialogue, and item texts. So this site cannot present all of the lore of Destiny, but is built in hopes of giving you as much information in as possible in one place. So with all forms of knowledge, it is never complete. The questions will never cease, and there is always more answers to find. The lore of Destiny is the same. With new information or changes in the story, nothing could ever be taken as gospel truth. Everyone who tells the lore has their own interpretation and ideas. Keep your minds open and eyes up, Guardian, is the description that Guardian21 has put on the site. It is an amazing, amazing site. Uh, it's very... So we it's have... Summaries. Ish- yeah, Lots th- of that's summaries. what I was about to say. It's very similar to the concept of Ishtar Collective, uh, but where Ishtar Collective is a great repository for the, the specific cards and the specific items and very, you know, very specific text... Seraphim Archive really is kind of more like the 50,000 point view of the whole story. Uh, so Ishtar is like the granular, you know, in the weeds conversations. And there are summaries on Ishtar. Uh, Purple Chimera does Chimera. an amazing job with the summaries there. But the mm-hmm. the, the the difference here is um, Seraphim is more of, like I said, like a really broad summary of the different topics. And then, and it's all presented on the same page, really. Uh, Guardian has it broken out in different, like, chunks of data. And it's mostly around the way that the game actually came out. So you have, like, vanilla, then you have, like, I think it's, uh, I think he has, like, it broken out by the the DLCs, I think, if I'm remembering it's this right. Slightly by timeline. Okay. Because okay. if you. Because if you start with the prologue of Destiny, it starts with Books of Sorrow. So it talks about ancient past first, working to where we are. So, yeah, and uh, it's just um, and then also the other really cool thing that he's done in this site is uh, underneath each summary, he has icons of different uh, content creators of various types. 
of of which we are we have actually been listed as one, and that's a huge huge honor for what? for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but so what he's done is not only does he show which content creators have talked about which aspect of the the you know the summary, he actually has it linked to specific episodes. So he uh, like they, this is like a a. I love this part of it. Detailed detailed aspect so you read the summary which i mean some of the summaries are pretty long most of them are usually about two or three paragraphs and then at the bottom there's like there's you know there will be our icon um you know ghost stories uh bife if he has a youtube video uh i'm trying to remember who else Um, ishtar collective Collective, mylan mylan and is that he's i know he's adding to them but but anyways right underneath each summary is that link and you click it and it will take you to the specific episode or the specific video about that topic that that creator has put together. So not only is it kind of a a directory and a summary of the story of destiny, it's actually kind of a, 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 a back end, back end collective version archive of our own content. Um, so, you know, for me, that's just like, that's really a really ingenious idea. And I really mm-hmm. actually really like it. So definitely give that site a check if you haven't already. Um, and I think that's, I think that's all I got for this week. Um, oh, well, yes. Uh, some, if, if you, I'm going to get yelled at. Uh, if, uh, if you've been paying attention to Twitter, this kind of came public today. Uh, we are going to be doing a, well, okay. There is going to be a lore panel hosted by Bife at Guardian Con ah! this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to be on it along with, Get it! well, along with, uh, Leah loves chief <laughs> and Mylan. Mylan is actually, we, we got confirmation that Mylan is actually going to be able to make it out. Um, so we are going to be doing that. I think. I think it's scheduled for um, day noon, two. Day two at noon. Mm, around then. Okay. Um, I I was trying I, to find a schedule that was not like ironed it out, but I think that's what it was. So um, if you if you want the time for it and you haven't watched the info drop, go to Guardian Con on Twitch and go to the last stream that they did because Kevin. And Goth and Broman did a info drop, the last info drop for Guardian Con, including the schedule for the podcast room as well as the main room, and hit that up and just watch it. There is currently a document that's floating around on Twitter. Mm. There are some points on it that are incorrect. I heard Kevin say that today in his stream. So don't okay. think of that document. If you see it on Twitter, don't think of that as absolute truth. It's a little bit messed up, and Kevin's going to have her change that a little bit. Sweet. Okay, because I know I think uh, was that Uber Ginger put that. Yes. Okay. Yeah, she she does a really really good job with summarizing those. So I've I've been I've been depending on her. She's been doing amazing. So thank you, thank you for that. Um, but yeah, so yeah, we have a lot coming up. Um, and so yeah, until then, we will see you. We're gonna stick around for a bit of an after show, obviously, as always, and we'll see you back in Discord. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. 
Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes each week, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our other sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Thank you again, Rhino, for joining in on the conversation. I'll be sure to get your contact information up in our show notes for anyone who wants to continue chatting with you. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions for our team concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes as well. Also, make sure to check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So, until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright. <laughs>